Welcome to Mystics and Molder, a podcast at the intersection of faith and popular culture. I'm Sarah, she, her, hers. I'm Maeve, she, her, hers. And what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh. I, I, oh, no, I was just going to say, do you have a story? I have a story that I've been like waiting to tell you about since it happened like half an hour ago. Oh, please. Oh, please go ahead. So I would love to tell you. Okay. So I was, I'm at my grandma's and I'm talking to her. And she was saying about how she wants to be more socially conscious and like with it, with the youth and like no social media. So (laughs) I made her an Instagram account (laughs) and had her follow like a bunch of really rad accounts and she's loving it and she's already learning so much. Um, You know, I'm having her follow AOC and um like a mix of theologians and like progressive political people and just activists and yeah she's loving it and so now I'm very happy that my granny's on the gram (laughs) I love this addition to your ministry Sarah (laughs) Uh, connecting old people with (laughs) social media (laughs) me too Uh, oh there's a tweet hold on let me what if do it for the gram was just doing nice things for your grandma i love that that's so cute it was by the host of the podcast overdue which is a book podcast his name is andrew cunningham he's at andrew writes i think like w-r-i-t-e-s do it for the gram wait i love that oh that's incredible. Anyway, so <laughs> that I had to share that with you. Nothing else has occurred in my life except for that. And that was a monumentous occasion. <laughs> it's a big deal. It was. It was. So now she has a Aww. Instagram app on her on her mini iPad. <laughs> her iPad Aww. mini. She can pull it up, read the news, and get educated on so many things. And Sub things that she probably doesn't want to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Good for grandma. Do you have any fun CPE stories? Oh, well, I have many, but I, so I worked 24 hours this weekend and I went to bed last night and I slept for 12 hours. Good for you. <laughs> I've not slept for 12 hours since maybe like post-finals college really you know you get really tired and then you take an exam you know and then yeah so that was good what else has happened I'm doing what we are calling a grace map which is basically your life in review and you talk about it for two hours and I have a snazzy powerpoint this is fun I twilight's included in there I have pictures of banana bread me with a little pin when I played soccer you know you've like did, did you ever play soccer as a, as a child? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, my league, I, I don't know. They would take professional pictures of kids, which really wasn't professional. It was just like a dad with a nice icon camera. Aww. And um, he would sell buttons of us for like $4. And then 
parents, grandparents could put the buttons on their jacket or whatever. So they could like walk around the grocery store with the picture of their kid in a soccer uniform. That's so precious. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh. That is really cute. It's been a fun time. Now I played, um, the extent of my (laughs) sporting, uh, career has been playing, uh, (laughs) T-ball. I played T-ball at the Y. Um, I guess I did also play volleyball in like elementary school, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Sarah, what are we talking about today? Oh my goodness, I am so excited for this episode. I feel like I say that at the beginning of every se- well, episode, but it's true. I'm pumped mm-hmm. for all of them. Yeah. Um, but this one, we're talking about one of both of our favorite musicians and maybe mm. people <laughs> in the world. Um, we're talking about <laughs> British actor and singer, songwriter, Johnny Flynn. Wowza. So pumped. Sarah, would you like to tell the people who this fan is? Yes, I. it would be my honor to talk about Johnny <laughs> Flynn. <laughs> okay, so a lot of this comes from Wikipedia. His full name is John Patrick Vivian Flynn, which I did not know, <laughs> is a British musician, singer-songwriter, and actor born in Johannesburg, South Africa. And I see he's a Pisces, like me. He's, oh, he's I didn't born know that. March fourteenth, nineteen eighty three. Wow, kindred so, spirits, truly. <laughs> Do are two Pisces together compatible? Not as compatible as like Pisces can do well with more intense signs. Intense of being like emotionally in your face like if you get two Pisces together we're probably just going to be really sad and moody together that's fair you're both water signs though that's true (laughs) yeah (laughs) ah geez okay well (laughs) but I'm sure we'd get along great (laughs) Johnny if you're listening to this we would love to hang out with you Um, he is the lead singer and songwriter of the band Johnny Flint and the Sussex Wit, which I didn't know that his, the rest of his band had a name, but I mean, of course, of course it does. <laughs> I did, I just kind of, I don't know, I guess in my mind picture, it was just him up on stage with his guitar and like nothing else, even though I know that, <laughs> like I listen to his music and I'm like, oh, look at all those instruments. <laughs> does i'm like you must be playing all of those <laughs> anyway wow. um he has been in several movies including the newest emma movie which i would recommend watching mm-hmm. and the film stardust where he portrayed david bowie and he was also in another movie about them finding the sutton ho sutton who sutton ho like Viking treasure called I think it was called the oh, dig, dig? It was really yeah. good yeah so it's really good he's a uh, multi-talented so that a lot of that mm-hmm. was from Wikipedia and then there's this really great quote that I wanted to pull out from a Guardian article written by Andrew Purcell um it says that 
Flynn has a strong jaw, blue eyes, and a charming bedside <laughs> manner. His one-line biography, musical prodigy turned Shakespeare actor with the soul of a mm. poet, is appealing and easily digested. <laughs> I just wanted to share that because that, wow, that just says so much about him. And I know I don't know him, but I feel like he's probably a four <laughs> on the Enneagram. Oh, yeah. Oh. If he's not, I will be so surprised because what else could he be? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe a nine. Oh, yeah. I could see that. Fours and nines are similar, though. Yeah. Pretty compatible. But I mean, well, we'll get into it. But a lot of his his themes are are themes that fours love to just really get and sink their teeth in and think about. Um, for those who don't know, Enneagram is like a personality thing, personality test, kind of. Um, and fours are like the <laughs> they're called the Maeve and I are both fours. They're the individualist. And they tend to be very moody and in their feelings and like to have deep existential thoughts about life and themselves and what it all means. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So most of his songs are, I think, like folk kind of indie music. How would you describe it, Maeve? I would say that. I think, hmm. He incorporates some blues as well. I wouldn't say any of his songs are particularly poppy, but mm-hmm. it's like a mix between indie, blues, um, folk. Yeah. And he like hops between those. It's not like one album is just his folk album or just his blues album. They really, he switches them up in every every album, I think. Like he incorporates a lot of genres. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. How did you get introduced to him? Because I don't (laughs) think I know the answer to this, like for you. Okay. So. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited for what (laughs) you're about to say. (laughs) Well, let's see. When I was my first year of Div school, I think it was either 2019 or early 2020. I was on Netflix and I had always been recommended the show Scrotal Recall or Lovesick is what they call it in the United States. Like every time that I was on Netflix, the recommendation would come up for years and years and years. So I was like, fine, I'll, fin- I'll finally watch it. it. It's not great, but it's good. Mm. Like I really enjoy it. it. It can be pretty hokey at some points and the characters are definitely like archetypes in some ways but the show does a good job of breaking that as well as like you get on in the later seasons um but basically johnny is the lead and he plays a guy named dylan he has bleached blonde hair in the first few seasons wow <laughs> i don't know why they decided like that. even lighter lighter than his natural yeah like yes and he's already blonde i don't understand why they did that and it doesn't necessarily fit with dylan's character but whatever um And so Dylan um, has a test and he finds out that I think he has chlamydia. Um, And so as the responsible person that he is, he calls um, all the people that he's ever slept with. And so, and he tells them the news like, hey, I have chlamydia. I might've given it to you. And this is just me letting you know. And so each episode, at least in the first season is 
kind of like a vignette of a relationship that he's had. And I really love that because it's like an anthology, but it also weaves in his relationships with his two best friends um, who have challenges and interesting storylines of their own. And then it like expands from that because you can only have so many episodes <laughs> and like yeah. that. But um, yeah, so that's how I found out about him. I was like, wow, he is such a good actor. <laughs> I mean, he's like subtly expressive. You always know what he's thinking or feeling just by it, the tiniest gesture or the tiniest like little crinkle of his face. Yeah. He also just has a very interesting kind of like gravelly deep voice. And so I just, as I do when watching a show, looked up information about him, found his music. And then I think we like were sharing his music at the same time between each other. Mm -hmm. It's like we were sending clips or whatever. And they're like, oh my gosh, you like Johnny Flynn. I like Johnny Flynn. Uh, then I, you know, kind of left that behind for a while. And then I feel like I rediscovered him when I watched Emma. And since then I've been, yeah, still very much a fan. Oh, love it. Love it. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading this article about him. It says one of the things about him, it says this TV Insider article about Johnny Flynn says he's flexible in, in that, this says in the, Oh, in the he can touch his toes without screaming kind of way. I've been doing yoga since drama school. I didn't know how interesting it is, but I find it useful for performing <laughs> and getting out of my head so I could tell other people's stories better. <laughs> I yeah. I don't that seems a without little excessive screaming. to like be screaming while you're touching your toes. <laughs> I mean, I know all bodies are different, but like <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I just had to share that because <laughs> what? <laughs> I would say he's flexible. He's not, from what I understand, typecast very often. Like, I think the character he plays in Lovesick is very different to Mr. Knightley and um, Emma. Mm -hmm. So he is flexible in that sense. Also, he looks like he could wiggle around <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> go for a hike, and whatever. <laughs> He's, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I first, well, heard his music before I knew who he was because I watched that British comedy show, Detectorists. Have you ever watched that? No, but I know what it is. Okay. Um, explain it. Yeah, I can explain it. It's a, it's a comedy show about this group of friends. Essentially, they're like in this club where they go out metal detecting essentially on just the rural areas outside of their little quite little English village and it's about them really not finding anything <laughs> and um, it's about their friendships and just the shenanigans in town and he wrote the music for it and it's it's a really interesting song because it's from the perspective of the treasure and it's like will you come and find me and kind of talking about that and I was like I really like this and so I looked him up and it was love at first hearing <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's really good it's also I would recommend the show not just for Johnny but because of it's just very funny <laughs> When you were a child, did you also want a metal detector? I did have a metal detector. 
I got one for my birthday and it was amazing. But then, of course, because I was a child, I quickly got bored of it and mm. discouraged by the fact that I didn't find treasure. I only found <laughs> like random stuff. And I also another thing was that I was trying to, you know, metal detect in suburbia <laughs> which yeah. my dad's just like you know you're just like getting a bunch of pipes and wires <laughs> and everything you're not gonna <laughs> this is not a good place to do it I'm like it's fine don't find my treasure here <laughs> I never did truly tragic um but I did have a metal detector and it was it was great for like the two months that I played with it and found nothing <laughs> did you also want a metal detector when you were a kid oh for years yeah. like because we would go to we I'm from Michigan so we're surrounded by water and you know beaches and so people would take metal detectors to the beach like older guys mm-hmm. and I always wanted to do that yeah I think I also really like like vintage stuff and old photography so I think in my very like tiny four self I wanted to I was like so nostalgic for something I'd never experienced. And so I wanted to like find someone's old wedding ring and like track down who it belonged to, you know, stuff like that. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yes. Have you ever heard of mudlarking? Mm -mm. Oh my gosh. I only, (laughs) it's, it's really cool. I follow people who go mudlarking on Instagram and really they just kind of walk along the riverbed, like along the bank and just kind of sort through the mud and see, usually they come up and a lot of people that I follow they're from London so a lot of like um old shards of like pottery or like old um clay pipes like that you smoke out of um or um like bottles and sea glass and stuff it's really cool it's just oh. like little knickknacks and tchotchkes and broken things but it's like people you know then make art with it and it's really cool would recommend checking out mudlarking as well (laughs) I have one more story oh my gosh yes when I was in high school I never participated in this but um our chemistry professor chemistry teacher had a dumpster diving club (laughs) what wait wait what so yeah, like every other week or something, he and like a bunch of his students who were interested would go to different dumpsters in the city and search through stuff that they felt they could use. <laughs> like recycling. Wait, so what, hold on. <laughs> what did they do with the stuff? I think they gave some of it to, so our school was very much into sustainability and it was very much that like, 2013 2014 like if we recycle and reduce and reuse we're gonna help reduce carbon emissions and that kind of optimism (laughs) and so one it's they just found it like extremely sure they had little gear and like goggles and protective stuff for their shoes were they like miners (laughs) oh oh, no (laughs) i hope i think they did it in daylight i hope they did and they weren't (laughs) raccooning it up and really doing it at night but uh, yeah, and so they would give some of it to like the robotics club. They would use it for what I, I, don't, I don't know. Probably took some of it home. Do some freeganism. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Wow. How come you never did it? I mean, I thought it was disgusting. <laughs> I, you're not wrong. I mean, it is gross, but also kind of cool. I don't think I was invited. It was very much a boys club. Yeah. Gross. You yeah. should have started your own feminist <laughs> dumpster diving club. <laughs> dumpster diving. <laughs> we don't stand for the patriarchy or, <laughs> or <laughs> preventable waste. <laughs> wow (laughs) uh trash (laughs) (laughs) if i only had a time machine anyway johnny flynn (laughs) (laughs) do you think johnny flynn would go dumpster i feel like he probably would you know like if he found some like if he were walking by a dumpster you know behind some store and found some stuff i think he'd be like yeah let's let's get this i i watched okay more on dumpster diving i'm so sorry but i I watched this one instagram video about this woman who she like goes behind you know big stores like big lots or uh bed bath and beyond and gets all the products they throw away and then she sells them and or donates them and she like quit her job to do this like she's a full-time dumpster diver and we'll get I mean it's it's actually like very bad because they throw away stuff that could still be used or like just easily repaired um but instead they just throw it away you know so yeah she like fixes them up or doesn't I guess sometimes and then sells them to people I feel like that's what Johnny would do, you know. I agreed. I think Johnny has a contract with local businesses <laughs> and restaurants and grocery stores that when they throw away food that doesn't need to be thrown away, he collects oh my it. Gosh, and then distributes that's, it. That's what distributes I think. it. Mm-hmm. Wow, he's mm-hmm. a one man. <laughs> What's like the opposite of libel? What's like saying good things about someone that's not true? <laughs> just, oh no. just nice lying. <laughs> we don't have anything in the English language for that. Does that what does that say about our that we're a little too there? litigious? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy, geez. he's such a good person. I can't see him doing that. Mm-hmm. um so I have when I like listen to his music I have a very like specific image that comes to mind do does do you have that as well like do you get like a feeling or like a uh an image that comes to mind when you listen to his music I want to hear yours first okay <laughs> <laughs> so for me like listening to his music is <laughs> it's like listening to a summer day no. <laughs> but okay but really it is it's like just you know that you know spring or summer day where you just you can just lay back and watch the clouds roll by and you are just at peace with the world around you and it's not you know it's also I think some like radical acceptance you're not saying that everything's great but you're also just acknowledging and appreciating the things that are good and it's just a very really like sweet happy feeling you remember when you were talking about how you would just like to read books about people just breaking baking bread 
and like that sweet wholesome that's like that feeling that I get being out mm-hmm. in a field on a summer day <laughs> with obviously no bugs and it's not too hot <laughs> it's yeah it's very like like bucolic mm-hmm. like rural mm-hmm. fantasy <laughs> it is well I guess what comes to mind two videos that I saw on YouTube mm-hmm. the first one I think it's the account folk on foot and so this was taken last year and Johnny's talking about coronavirus and how that delayed a lot of his plans and created some mental health um, problems of course as with everybody <laughs> and um, but he has this really old guitar or banjo and it's strung across his chest and he's like really walking in this rocky kind of gravelly trail with a person beside him and then he just sits down in this clearing and so it's just very green and lush and really peaceful and you can hear the birds and other animals and so I think of that like you were saying this very like pastoral peaceful bucolic um rural fantasy (laughs) and then um the other one I think of is another YouTube video where he's at home somewhere it looks like he's in a kitchen he's reading children's literature and there are cats in the background and it's just like delightfully chaotically messy not in a gross way but just in a I'm an artist I don't have time to put the you know pyrex away you know something like that and there's a candle and it's dimly lit and it looks like maybe it was taken in the fall so I, th- I get a little bit more fall vibes from him. Like I Ooh, could see him with his, uh, you know, Doc Martens. Well, I probably wear Doc, Ma- Doc Martens. What kind of shoe would he wear? Maybe like a... Like a Birkenstock in the fall with some <laughs> <Yeah>. little socks? <laughs> yes. Just with like a little leaf crunching underfoot. And he's like praising the leaf for its uh, its life and its, and its oh death. Oh my gosh. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. I'm glad. Uh, I it's like almost ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Have you this is also a tangent listened to that podcast? I think it's just called Walk With Me and it's just mm-hmm. a person recording their walk through the woods and like you can hear like the birds chirping and the the crunch of the leaves under their shoes and just their, you know, pants rubbing together as they walk. It's very peaceful. That's lovely. Yeah. So good. (laughs) I used to listen to one of a cat purring. It was called like Bilbo purrs or Bilbo the cat purrs. Not similar, but yeah, a peaceful everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. Relaxing. It definitely, not to, well, I guess we can get into to themes now, but it definitely has that kind of like Celtic Christian tradition mm-hmm. of like finding the holy and the sacred mm-hmm. in, in the everyday, which we are yeah. so here for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm. I like, I like a lot of what he does because he blends kind of like the beautiful with the grotesque or like just with injustice. Mm -hmm. He does a really good job of taking different ends of the spectrum and like mixing them together or um, like surprising you, I guess. Mm. So Mm -hmm. taking images that you wouldn't think would go together 
or having like a resolution to a theme that you wouldn't expect. He's very skilled in that, like a paradoxical way of thinking. Yeah. Can you give an example of that? Hmm. I'm thinking of The Box. Mm. <laughs> so this is a song from A. Lorem, which came out in 2008. I think it's his first like full album. I always thought the song was about God, but then I looked up the lyrics and it's about a guy named Rob. <laughs> it could be God, <laughs> you know. I thought it was about um, God experiencing homelessness or being in the body of someone experiencing homelessness. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, it's God. It's not Rob. It's it's God and Rob. <laughs> so the lyrics go, Rob lived in a box by the rails. He talks about his life so he doesn't comb his hair. Um, and it's speaking kind of like about him as a, I guess, like a disposable person. So leave my body, leave my bones, leave me whole mm-hmm. and leave my soul. Leave me nothing I don't need at all. Nothing I don't need at all. Never left a trail, never made his mark when he ate with the rats after dark. So, but then it, so that's like the first half of the song, but then it goes on to speaking about flowers blooming and corn being by crows and his friends. And so I, I, there's just kind of like a sad and maybe like ironic twist of a little bit of happiness or the everyday against images that feel full of despair (laughs) in that song at least. Yeah. But I also think it's talking about Rob's or God's death. And so that's where the flowers are coming from and talking about friends who remember him and that he's like feeding the earth, thinking about the crows and his Mm. body is like corn. And so it's like, although he was rejected or neglected or invisible for a lot of his life, he's still able in death to give back to the earth and there's some kind of like happiness and feeling of a cycle being completed through that that he's necessary to the world even if society doesn't see him as such (sighs) Mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of themes of like Mm -hmm. cycles like nature natural cycles Mm -hmm. life and death the seasons which i love So another song that I really enjoy, I mean, amongst all of them, (laughs) um, is one of his new songs called Gods and Monsters, which is on his newest album, Lost in the Cedar Woods, came out this year. And I, (laughs) there was a, like a, a several week point this year where I just listened to this song on repeat it was so good Uh, I can read some of the lyrics the lyrics for this song are I thought I'd have to do battle with gods and monsters I'd I thought I'd have to seek prophets on distant horizons questions I never have answers for questions that never have answers okay and then near the end he's talking about this journey that he thought he had to go on and then he realized that it was in his lover's arms the whole time everything that he was searching for and I really love that because I think for me personally and I I don't I wonder if this is like a four thing as well like we want 
big and like big life encounters like big life events encounters with Mm -hmm. the divine we want you know we want our burning bush moment we want our road to damascus moment Mm -hmm. and then and then i am reminded of that story in first kings that story of elijah when he goes to like try to see god and he's like then I don't know there was like an earthquake and then a big storm and Elijah's like God's not there and then he hears like this little whisper and then like that was God that was like the encounter with God and so I just I really love that because it's such a good reminder that like instead of looking for those big you know big encounters it's there's a lot more I think there's a lot more depth in those smaller ones um and I'm also just reminded of that story mm-hmm. in Genesis when Jacob and Esau reunite and Jacob said that seeing his brother's face was like seeing the face of God <sighs> which I oh I love that because it's just you know those simple encounters with one another um and with God is so much more meaningful than you know a lifetime full of those is so much more meaningful than one big moment which I mean maybe it's hard to maybe it's hard maybe we shouldn't be comparing them but I think you know there's there's more depth to those maybe mm-hmm. yeah you know that I love, love the Jacob and Esau stories yes. <laughs> Esau's one of my favorite biblical characters we um, love a good biblical himbo <laughs> he's such a himbo <laughs> But yeah, this is very, yeah, I related to everything that you said. This is very for the idea of wanting to be special or unique and having big experiences and expecting your life is going to be constant battle and anxiety. It's very, um, sorry to interrupt, but it's very like Mm. uh, main character of the movie energy. You know what I'm talking (gasps) about? (laughs) Yes. Very hero's journey. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry. Mm. Keep going. No, that was, that was helpful. Like I... I, as a fourth, think of myself as the hero of my story. And I see even small events as like consequential and important, significant, very emotionally charged. And so I really like what you said that this is like Enneagram 4 because you expect that your life is going to be constant battle. But it's also very like, I don't know, like the ministry of Christ underneath it because it's this observation that life can be really unjust and upsetting and hard and challenging but that really at the end of all of it the core isn't about necessarily the battles that you've dealt with or the ways that you've tried to prove yourself as special but rather it's about love and it's about the simple things and human and divine connection goes well with uh gods and monsters that we just talked about is foldable from his 2013 album country mile and this begins i'm here to announce the journey you are here to call it blessed we are here and we are here to return to our mother in journey west and so it's about i guess if you read it one way it's similar to um gods and monsters because It's based on the journey of finding either enlightenment or the divine or returning to some kind of source that gives you meaning. 
apathetic in the closets of our souls with locks to open, molds to break, all with the key of older rule, I'm here to announce the journey. So maybe, maybe, maybe if I read it, not as folderol as like demeaning religious traditions, but rather the idea of um, like theology of play that we talk about every episode, um, that the way of unbreaking like a hardened heart, one might say, or the person who's just focused on fighting gods and monsters is to embrace like folderol, like the nonsense mm-hmm. and the fuss and um, being all right with, I don't know, like dedicating yourself or prioritizing something that people might consider vulnerable. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I think often, I think sometimes we can see spiritual journeys as, you know, nonsensical, like, oh, what's it going to get? Are you going to get your money's worth out of your, you know, your pilgrimage or your journey? Mm-hmm. Or like, is this really going to do anything for mm-hmm. you? You don't have like a very consumeristic consumer minded framing of it and some might see it as nonsensical but it is actually Mm -hmm. very meaningful and just you know haters gonna hate as saint taylor says (laughs) oh my god just gotta shake it off just gotta just gotta shake it off and keep doing it even if you know be like noah and if everyone thinks you're crazy for doing it keep doing it you know even if it's not productive or efficient mm. or, you know, all those nice capitalistic ideas that we like to live by. I feel like Johnny, as an Enneagram 4, is speaking to an Enneagram 1 and Ooh. saying, embrace the play. And, like, even if you don't get something out of it that is capitalistic or, like, checkbox productive, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because you're unlocking something that leads you to a journey and that leads you to something deeper and more expansive than yourself. Yeah. Even if, you know, you're not getting some kind of like financial or career-based step out of it. My, so I'm an Enneagram four, but my second, <laughs> I always talk about like my mini Enneagrams, which is very four of me, but my second <laughs> are tied, is tied with one in six. And so sometimes I feel like my four self has to intervene when my one self pops up. That's really interesting because, like, you know, when fours flourish, quote unquote, they oh, act more right. like they go ones. To one. yeah. yeah, like a healthy one. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe I think sometimes I'm a little bit more of an unhealthy one. Mm. But I don't know where they go. I wonder if they go to fours. I don't Anyways. know. I don't know where ones disintegrate to. Hmm. Disintegrate? Is that the right word? Dis anyway, whatever. <laughs> Dis something. Um, Dis something. Yeah, I think he's calling the oh, the ahead. journey blessed and like all the different aspects. Like he talks about a bunch of different saints, art, baptism, just like a lot of different spiritual experiences, and like these are all blessed, and it's not just like the one thing like the whole journey and I like it too because he keeps talking about a journey but it never he's just talking about it's leading somewhere and you never get there and not in a bad way just in like a you continue to do it because you're continuing to live and like you're just continuing to walk that path and the destination is the journey itself (laughs) how many just 
basic white girl <laughs> affirmation quotes will I say mm. on this podcast? Very Pinterest. <laughs> I wonder what you think about the song The Rote and the Writ. <laughs> Another banger. I, I really like it. I think I, I'm going to say that about each song. <laughs> How can you not? Oh, sorry. I also realized I forgot to say something about Full to Roll. And I think also Gods and Monsters. There's this like plumb line, I think, running through a lot of his songs about, I think that we, you know, in the Christian community, we call prophetic witness about, you know, I think that's kind of what. Um, I was saying about doing it anyway, even people think you're crazy or if it's like, you know, people are going to be mad at you or think it's not worth the time. Just doing that bold prophetic witness Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. So um, sorry to go back to wrote in the I'm not sure what this song means, <laughs> but it reminded me of something that my worship professor said that when she was in mm-hmm. seminary, mm-hmm. she was told this quote that's from C.S. Lewis about that writing is turning blood into ink. And, <laughs> and she said then, you know, saying a sermon <gasps> and preaching, um, <laughs> and witnessing is turning ink back into blood mm-hmm. um so turning blood to ink and ink to blood and this song reminded me about that because um he's talking about you know i assume it's to like a deity or to mm-hmm. maybe someone that he know, like a person i never knew a part of you you didn't set in ink the letters that you left behind no longer shall I read your blood's between the pages and I just can't stand to see you bleed. I'm not really sure what that means, but it, I am moved by it. But and it I'm reminded <laughs> of that, um, that quote that my professor said, and it's like, how do we encapsulate elements of the human condition in ink and do that and you know reverse osmosis that (laughs) in preaching and make flat words on a paper you know how how do we turn that into moving moving words and I think the answer to that is we don't do it the Holy Spirit does it if I wanted to be a good (laughs) a good Presbyterian (laughs) um but I yeah uh so Blood into ink and ink into blood. I don't know. Oh, how very Harry Potter book five. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought this song was kind of cynical. So the beginning is they're taking pictures of the man from God. Um, I hope his cassock's clean. The burden of being our holy fellows. Her halo better gleam, better gleam. What of all those wayward priests, the ones who like to drink? Do you suppose they'd swap their blood for wine like you swap yours for ink for ink? It's kind of like dun da dun da What is that? The like iambic pentameter? Yeah, it feels very Shakespearean. <laughs> yeah, iambic pentameter. I'm a great English major. <laughs> <laughs> I know something we learned in fourth grade. Um, but I think this part at least reminds me of 
like unrealistic expectations that we might set for ourselves mm. um, as people of faith, or at least that I set for myself or have experienced. And if you're interested in hearing about that, you can uh, listen to our purity culture episode, mm-hmm. but they're taking pictures of the man from God. That reminds me of the gospel of John, which refers to Jesus as the man of God. Um, and yeah, so this, this burden of being holy, of having the brightest halo of being the best Christian or, you know, I don't think Johnny is necessarily writing about that here. I think it's more about the relationship or the deity or the person he's speaking to, as you said, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, what about the wayward priest? Like what happens to someone who is marked as being exceptional or like a step below the divine or a, a representation of the divine? And what happens when they stumble (laughs) and like, how, how are we supposed to go about our own stumbling, Mm -hmm. especially as you and I are preparing for ordination? Mm -hmm. What does that mean for us? Like if we make a mistake and to people, we are representing the faith, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can definitely also see that like disillusion, disillusionment with kind of the church as an institution, Mm-hmm. I don't know, but then I think at the end, which he does in a lot of his songs, there's like some sort of like hope mm-hmm. and some sort of mm-hmm. hanging on to this because he knows that some element of it he is like very true to him and and he still loves. Mm-hmm. Um, like near the end, he says, uh, so he said, the circle since been broken, like the priest before me is breaking bread. I'm being asked to drink the blood of Christ and soon I'll eat his flesh. I'm alone again before the altar, shedding all my old regrets. And I, I think that that, you know, you're still like you see everything that's wrong and yet you're mm-hmm. still there like that. <laughs> that is faithfulness. If I, you know, it, steadfastness, mm-hmm. if I ever mm-hmm. freaking saw it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wonder like what theological tradition he was brought up in, or if he's Anglican, like the idea of the importance of communion and having it be, mm-hmm. I don't want to say like cleansing, but as a way that you're really like taking in Christ and you're remembering your sins Mm -hmm. but also like the healing holy like loving power of Christ as you take communion and as Presbyterians it's something we Mm -hmm. do like once a month to once a season and I think we could stand to do it a little bit more but maybe that's my like very (laughs) traditional Anglican-y Lutheran-y side of me that I really like to see in worship but yeah shedding all my old regrets I I like the idea of a service being as a moment where everyone is, you know, confessing their sins in whatever way they'd like and realizing that, you know, there is like new life or new hope in Christ, or at least in the faith tradition, or even just the faith community itself. Like we're all sinners. We're all here. We're all shedding our regrets together. There's something powerful about recognizing Mm -hmm. that, being public with it, and then like holding each other accountable as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely an underlying theme of the importance of community and the importance of like showing up for one mm-hmm. another and being there for one another, especially with the ending mm-hmm. line. He says, don't say in a letter what you can't in my, oh, wait, that means something different than I thought. it. I thought it said, don't say in a letter what you can in my ear, which is different. Anyway, never mind. That is what it says, can't? right? But if it's, yeah. it, don't say in a letter what you can in my ear, I thought it was like, 
don't write a letter to me like come next to me and talk to me mm. you know how accurate these lyrics are because I just got them off of Google I didn't um, transcribe them myself so it could be can you know what everything's a free text Sarah just omit the little t and the apostrophe <laughs> <laughs> just, just <the> <laughs> um oh, geez anyway <laughs> um <laughs> sure there might be community still in this who knows why not oh the second to last um line pay heed to your heart and not to your wit you think about that that seems to be kind of the message of Folderol and gods and monsters Mm -hmm. that's very i think (laughs) first corinthians like now we see in a mirror dimly and we don't Mm. know i can't remember what the rest of it there is more stuff going on than we can imagine and you know Mm -hmm. i think our intuitions and our inner selves know that (laughs) so I already told you about the Sarah but I encountered a reference it was like the full verse but spoken by a character in interview with the vampire and I literally (gasps) gasped and texted you about that actually I'm glad that you said that because I completely Uh, forgot I'll never forget (laughs) I think Louis said it the main character anyways what did they say what did what did what did they say I don't remember. It's a very angsty book that is like, well, we could do a whole episode in Interview with the Vampire, but it's really genre blending because it's kind of like this fantasy romance in some ways, but it's also very philosophical and existential because Anne Rice wrote it after the death of her child. Her child was only like five or so. And so it's um, also about grief. So somehow it was tied to like grief and end of life but i can't remember exactly what it was about it was a bible quote or is it a johnny flynn quote oh it was the bible oh okay that would be amazing if johnny flynn (laughs) interview with the vampires written in like 1976 i know that's why i was like very confused i was like (laughs) how hmm (laughs) and rice has a time machine Or Johnny Flynn's a huge Anne Rice fan. Yes, we're that. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like he's dipped his toe into the Vampire Chronicles before. I would love to see like an edgy Johnny Flynn. Like, what if he came out with a <laughs> Halloween album that was just very <gasps> angsty, edgy? <laughs> I would pay good money. Me for too. That. Like, Okay, sorry to reference Taylor Swift again, but like his <laughs> version of like folklore, you know? Mm-hmm. That would be really good. That would be really good. That would, that would be good. I mean, oh. my seasonal depression would absolutely love that in the fall. <laughs> <laughs> you should just cover folklore and evermore, I think. Although I feel like Taylor's really protective of all of her work, so she'd probably sue him. That's but true. Whatever. What if, hold on, okay, picture this. What if, <laughs> what if Johnny Flynn and Evanescence? Were- <laughs> <laughs> what are you imagining here? I don't know, because they're so different, but like, I feel like their voices would actually go really well together because mm-hmm. her, like, 
they can both be kind of ethereal, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. you know. I, I can see it. Would Johnny Flynn do an Evanescence type of song or would Evanescence do a Johnny Flynn type of song? I think Johnny Flynn would do, <gasps> like, if he did a co- cover of Lithium. Mm-hmm. I, incredible. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I am excited for this. So The Water is a song (laughs) featuring Laura Marling. I don't know anything about Laura Marling. I don't either. Oh, well. Um, It's from the album Been Listening 2010. I, so you said that you said you said that you listened to gods and monsters for like weeks on end and that was your song that's for me the water is my gods and monsters and like i've watched covers of it on youtube it's very lovely it reminds me a lot of the hosier song in a week but with Mm, um karen kelly because it's it's similar it's i think it's about death (laughs) so of course i love it um water baptism it also reminds me of the we talked about this in our dying episode but the band perry song Mm, yes yeah lay me down in a bed of roses sink me in the river send me in the river at dawn send me away with a whatever love song send me away with the words of a love song (laughs) 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 um so i picture this as someone having passed and their loved ones are like sending them on a funeral pyre on the water and they're watching their body float away and then be consumed by 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 the flames but to me it's like it's like (laughs) sarah's like grimacing but it's like i don't know it's kind of a lovely picture in my head like a yeah like a viking death yeah yeah it reminds me, and I completely forgot about this until just now, but there's a um, Eugene Peterson quote about, I think he compares grace to water and talking about grace is what we're sw- just swimming in it and it's what keeps us afloat and it's what keeps us going. Um, and this song reminded me of of that quote. Mm-hmm. I yeah I love that and the last few lines I'm everywhere now the way is a bow to the wind of each breath by and by the water sustains me without even trying yeah um the mm-hmm. water can't drown me I'm done with my dying so it does remind me of baptism and as Presbyterians we don't necessarily believe this like our theology or polity says that baptism is like the recognition of being in community with God and like part of Christ's ministry it, so mm-hmm. it's not necessarily about like the saving powers of um, of baptism, but coming from a Baptist <laughs> tradition, like a conservative mm-hmm. one, there is something kind of romantic about like coming into new life and in covenant with God through water. And I love mm-hmm. what you're saying that Eugene Peterson, um, understanding that grace is like water. And so I'm everywhere now in the way I'm going, like the journey that the spirit takes me and that the water takes me is a vow. So like a commitment and a covenant between yourself and God. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And just the symbol for life that, or the symbol that water is used a lot of places as, as life and, mm-hmm. and it's also, you know, used in death too. It's a very, mm. it's a very versatile symbol. <laughs> very flexible, if you will. In this essay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Well, should we talk about some of his resurrection songs? <laughs> sure. There are two that come to mind. Raising the Dead is from Cillian in 2017. And then the second one is The Lady is Risen. And that's also from Country Mile 2013. That's the same album that has filled a role. You want to talk about Raising the Dead first? Sure. Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> I feel like with so many of his songs, I think I get what they're about. And then I look at the lyrics and I'm like, what? <laughs> what is happening here? I get the feelings, but the, like, cognitively, I don't understand yeah, what's going Because on. they're very, I mean, all of his songs are so poetic. There's mm. a lot of, it's just, they function like poetry. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean... I think in some poetry I know what's happening, and some others I don't. <laughs> what do you think about the line to the fiery broken-hearted people who all say, Oh, raising the dead, raising the dead, raising the dead? Does that like mm, does that bring up some theological images or emotions for you? Well, okay, part of the problem is that when I hear this song, all I can think of is Raisin the Dead. Like, it's a raisin. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I haven't ruined the song for you now. (laughs) Here I am literally trying to be like Chaplin Maeve, and then you're like, well, let's talk about some raisins. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. I I completely changed the energy in the studio. No, I love it. I love it. So that's where my ADHD brain gets stuck on. <laughs> is that is it distracting when you listen to it then? Because you just think of like oh yes, raisin be- cookies. Because I think of raisins and I love oh. the song, but I'm like, raisins. <laughs> raisins are dead, right? Raisins I mean they're dry. Yeah, I mean I guess so. Grapes. Um like you know in Lay Maze when he says black the color of despair mm, it's like I. black the color of despair and just <laughs> <laughs> that's all I could think of <laughs> I still so for a while you would call vinegar vinegar and I still say that oh, yeah. like whenever I see vinegar or like salt and vinegar I'm like salt and vinegar vinegar yeah vinegar yeah well, that's okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. Back no, to your your actual real life deep question. I feel like I'm watching maybe like a Wes Anderson film. I was just gonna say that. Yes, I feel like this this in this song. I feel like I'm watching a Wes Anderson film. Like I aesthetically, mm. I really enjoy it, but I'm not sure what's happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, what? tell me your thoughts, because I feel like you have some thoughts about this song. Yeah, I also find it a little bit confusing. It's starting about talking about an old man. How is he related to, like, resurrection? I think a lot of it just has to do with, like, grief and memory, and maybe, like, recalling images of a loved one, or maybe not even a loved one, but mm-hmm. that someone 
that you can't shake off that keeps coming to mind. Mm-hmm. So you're raising him and maybe like reframing an experience that you had with this person who's either dead or no longer in your life as a way of healing. But mm-hmm. again, this is like definitely my chaplain brain kicking in. Like all of this has just been my interpretation. Johnny, I don't know if you had this in mind, but just like you said, Sarah, with poetry, like anything is up to what you want to read into it. Mm-hmm. So I'm really intrigued also by the lyrics about he operates on a low frequency to take mm-hmm. the pillars of our society. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? No, but I love that image. It's just like mm-hmm. like a low rumbling bass frequency that people can't hear, mm-hmm. but it like moves the things around, moves mm-hmm. the pillars of buildings around him as he's walking. That's, mm. I, I don't know what that is. It's almost like a Twilight Zone episode, but I, I like it. <laughs> hmm Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's that his his yeah. sorrow is so potent, like it can't fit in his chest, and it's just it's radiating, you know, out of him. Mm. Who knows? Mm. Who knows? It's poetry. It's in our hands now. <laughs> True. I like that as someone being in grief, operating on a low frequency, like mm-hmm. it's just emanating out of him and he can't contain yeah. it. And he's like, you know, it's shaking out of him. And, he, you know, he's in a stage where he's just angry at the world. And yeah. so he wants to just take down society with his grief. Yeah. And there's, it doesn't sound like there's like people making space for that or holding that mm-hmm. with him. Um, mm-hmm. Except at the end, he says that he, like, I collaborate with the spirit. I helped it find its way back. So him, like, maybe helping that person Mm. get out of that dissonance and back into, like, a good Mm. rhythm. Which I would say is the job of, you know, chaplains and pastoral care and people Mm. who, other people who work in helping professions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. This song is just having a good yes. therapist or spiritual yes. care provider when you're yeah, feeling down. Helping you get yeah. re-regulated, you know, helping you get on <gasps> on your on your frequent frequency. Um, you know, not that you have like feel your feelings, mm-hmm. but and also, you know, it's it's helpful mm-hmm. to have someone help you regulate. What if, Sarah, the dead isn't about the loved one or the person that's not in their life, but the dead is the person in grief? <gasps> Because they feel, they feel unlike dead. themselves. Yeah. And so with a good therapist or a good pastor, chaplain, uh, you're raising the dead, getting back to maybe not who you were, but to an incorporated so version new. of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And that, I mean, again, has very like big theological mm-hmm. things, the- theological significance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean... We can talk about what death and life means theologically, but like from death to new life. Um, yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Have you been listening? <laughs> Is this mic on? <laughs> uh, we could go quickly to the lady is risen. Yeah. I'm sorry to also one last mm-hmm. thing. Oh, I yeah. of course have to bring back Katie's town and I'm just thinking of that mm-hmm. one lyric where 
it's near the end of the show and Persephone is talking about Orpheus and she's saying all of his sorrow won't fit in his chest and it burns like a pyre in the fit in the pit of his chest and his heart is a bird on a spit in his chest and just that like that same kind of feeling of the grief and the sorrow is so overpowering that you just you can't you can't function um and you need someone else to come along and kind of help you re-regulate and put your put your heart back in your chest for you you know I'm so glad that you said that I literally got chills as you because you didn't look at notes or anything you were just reciting it from memory right? oh no I I went and looked on it oh <laughs> because you said it very powerfully well thank you I I uh thanks <laughs> thank you good job I didn't want to miss say it because it's just I love it so much that I knew that if I tried to do it myself I was gonna bumble along and I was like I can't can't do this The second resurrection song is The Lady is Risen. I haven't spent as much time thinking about this or listening to it. Me neither. So I guess we could read, maybe I'll read some of it and just see what comes Mm -hmm. to mind. Lexio Divina, sorry. Lexio Divina! (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Okay, this is our sacred practice. Listen, children. All right. She loves full and true as a fighting bequest. She was given her earth by a sea come to rest and the children she bore love this truly too much. Calloused pride come to die in our hands as we touch. And so soften me now. Let me take as it's given for the wind started up and the lady is risen. What? Again, no <laughs> idea, but I love it. <laughs> it has a very, again, like the, the okay. rhythm of like a children's book. It reminds me of Mm -hmm. Lewis Carroll, like Jabberwocky or Mm -hmm. the walrus and the carpenter. Like that doesn't make any Mm -hmm. sense either. And I love it. (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me because I've never left my Merlin phase. It reminds me of the lady of uh, lady of the lake, how she like gives the sword and, uh, you know, is sticking out of the water. And so in a moment of turmoil, this woman who is like has this deep tradition and this relationship to something greater than people like to a divine or to something mystical or spiritual is there to provide the next step to like healing or the next great big thing and so johnny doesn't relate this to water as in the lady of the lake but he does relate it to wind i don't know maybe there's some holy spirit going on in there yeah (laughs) That's really all I had to say about that. I was like, oh, a resurrection song. Ladies risen, why not? It's also interesting the part, the the two lines, tell me where the saints have gone. Oh, where is the pole? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they flourished in times that were guarded with wool? <laughs> I don't know what I mean. That is- but I like it. Again, I'm just going to keep saying that. <laughs> And then it like switches it at the end. Ooh. I'll watch you with eyes that can see. I can see. You're too good at pulling that wool over me. So again, Johnny takes two things that we wouldn't expect, meshes them together and changes the meaning. 
He's a genius. Provocateur. <laughs> <laughs> Artiste. Artiste. Avant-garde. <laughs> uh, so good. Well, Sarah, there are a few songs we haven't touched yet, um, including I Am the Light, which basically is just what it sounds like. That comes from um, the film score of Bag of Hammers. It's from 2012. Mentions God, mentions the light. It just reminds me of the Godspell song, You Are the Light of the World. I was like, that's nice. Um, could be like a nice kind of children's song. I don't know. I uh, like this little light of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't talked about Flood in the Desert or The World to Come yet. Um, I think I wanted to talk about Flood in the Desert because it is really similar well it's sort of similar to the detectorist song Mm -hmm. theme song in that it's talking about things that were you know treasures that are buried underground and hidden uh and it gave me very much similar vibes to the one lost coin (laughs) and the one lost sheep parables Mm -hmm. um about finding things that were hidden or lost um and just appreciating them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It kind of feels like discovering some sacred text as well. So yeah. like deep, deep down clay between um, Euphrates. And then it also has the line, chained enchanted in the cuneiform. The stories still unclaimed till bearded men in uniform. I mean, it almost reminds me me of like in the 1940s when people found like the Dead Sea Scrolls Mm -hmm. and kind of the colonialism that we still have to face when we read like this new discover new ish relatively new um discovering what even the word (laughs) discovery means when we're talking about you know stealing from lands that had had the text but also just like the theological importance of finding those scrolls and so I don't know, like I, I maybe like the uncomfortable or problematic parts of discovering in quotes, new stories to us that have existed for thousands of years already. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to the um, Orientalism that can often come mm-hmm. with that, uh, which he, I don't think he does, he doesn't do, um, but that's kind of part and parcel of colonialism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there's another and the song in April which is on another soundtrack mm-hmm. um, it's there's a lot of themes of forgiveness in there and um, radical acceptance <laughs> yeah That's the last one I just want to speak about is the world to come and that reminds me of you know the kingdom of God and I think in Mark or Matthew there's a line about kingdom of God already being on earth. And so in this song, it seems like there's a balance between like recognizing the beauty of the world, but then also the injustice of it as well. And trying to work towards a more just world that resembles the kingdom. And there's just a lot of, you know, nature imagery. So it's great if you're walking outside in the forest and you see a blackbird and then you hear Johnny sing about a blackbird. It's lovely. We've 
talked to, like kind of mentioned it a lot in his songs about how he does a really good job of kind of holding conflicting quote unquote conflicting emotions and holding both and kind of being okay with that do mm-hmm. you think that folk and indie music is particularly good at addressing these themes and like that of holding mm. both like better than other genres like rock or pop maybe there's something about the medium that lets it be a little bit more I guess playful or whimsical punny a little bit more lyrical or abstract and I don't know sadly like about the history of English or British um, folk songs and so I wonder how much of that is incorporating it but just like reading it out loud it felt like we were reading a poem so there's something about it that I think mm-hmm. folk resist um, catchiness in a lot of ways, unless you're listening to like Mumford and Sons, but even Mumford and Sons like has a yeah. lot of theology baked into it and a lot of play on words. So there's just something about that medium um, that allows for like a more nuanced discussion of paradox, I guess. What do you think? And this was just based off of a cursory, you know, thinking through of pop songs and like rock songs that I know (laughs) and of course there are exceptions but Mm -hmm. I was just thinking the majority of folk songs that I know which is I mean I listen to mostly folk songs so folk or indie music it does Mm -hmm. like you were saying they it it allows for both and it doesn't you know allow folk music isn't emotionally pigeonholed (laughs) Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. they're for whatever reason maybe I don't know why it's like this and you know maybe like you said we need to do some more research about the history of it but um it, I feel like pop is very much like I love you or I hate you <laughs> and like there's no in between or gray area and rock is like I hate this I hate society mm. Uh, mm. my parents are the worst <laughs> um, I why didn't you close the door <laughs> there's a panic mm. at the disco <laughs> um, and then focus just like yes there are some things that are bad and also there are things that are really beautiful and we're just gonna sing about it and you know we're just gonna really feel the feels uh so i i would say that folk music does do a better job of you know addressing these themes and and holding nuance and holding that kind of straddling the gray area Mm -hmm. it's also a great genre for storytelling yeah like even dolly parton whose earlier stuff and still now like you could consider folk right yeah like and how country at least the united states kind of um i don't know created like like came from folk music and blues as well like if you take folk and then um you know country went one way and then blues the the other way and now i feel like they're still like overlapping a Mm -hmm. little bit more but um yeah both like blues and country are means for storytelling in the kind of like traditional sense and those come from a storytelling yeah. genre of and bluegrass too i would add in there mm-hmm. um, that's right yeah yeah 
Dang. Storytelling is everywhere. Meaning making is everywhere. <laughs> and I'm here for it. My four self cannot get over it. <laughs> so any any other thoughts about Johnny Flynn? Johnny, if you've listened to this, if you've made it all the way through, by the grace of God, if you've made it all the way through and you'd like to come on this podcast and talk with us, <laughs> Lord, I've seen what you've done for others. <laughs> Let it be so for us. <laughs> Let it be so. Uh, I, I, okay. <laughs> I'm just imagining Johnny being on one of these little Zoom squares with us. Maybe I don't think I would be able to move. <laughs> I think I would just have more stutters at, at more than I usually do and just not be able to function. <laughs> he can just do all the talking. We can hold up whiteboards with questions. Are you okay? So we don't have to speak at all. <laughs> Are you proud of us? Johnny, I love you. <laughs> Should we play the game that we did with Mr. Rochester? Is that how far? Yes, I love this new <laughs> game that we have invented. How far would he go? Um, so we already talked. We Johnny would um, create a co-op with leftover food yeah. from grocery stores. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he would go dumpster mm-hmm. diving. He would rescue cats. Would Johnny wear a kilt? Are the question Ooh. we have to ask every time. Would Johnny wear a kilt? I don't know. Ooh, this one's this one's this one's tricky. This one's a lot harder than I thought it would be. I I want to say yes, but I also feel like he's very much of like a jeans, like a blue jeans and flannel t-shirt kind of guy. Do you think he would? Maybe if the kilt is like made out of corduroy. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh no you're at- oh, i just cracked and myself up and it has one. patches on it and then he's also wearing like a professor's jacket with patches on the el- <laughs> oh my god would johnny relate more to jacob or esau Ooh, oh that's a good one too question asker extraordinaire um <laughs> You know, I want to say Jacob because they're both, I feel, okay, but that's not true. I was going to say they're both indoor boys, but that that's not true. Maybe Esau. Both like interior, like interiority Yeah. Boys. Yeah. They're both soft boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think? I don't know. Um. I don't think Johnny would be cunning to the point of hurting other yeah. people, especially someone that he's supposed to love. So while I see parts of it, like I can see Johnny like loving the women in his life, like Jacob loved his mm-hmm. mom. But I also see him as Esau, as being out in nature and doing anything for some lentil soup. So I don't know. It's a mix of both. It can be a, it can be a yes yes and and. yeah, a good improv Mm -hmm, answer. mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do you think, what do you think? Okay. This is not a yes or no question. What do you think is Johnny's go-to 
meal to make? <gasps> I saw immediately in my head a French Ooh. omelet with herbs sprinkled on top from like chicken eggs in his backyard. Oh my gosh, we didn't even mention that he has chickens in his yard. <laughs> this is a real thing that he has, right? <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. Where did, maybe I guess I just assume that he must. I'm sure he does. I'm sure. It Johnny, if you have chickens in your yard, <laughs> please let us know. <laughs> please DM us or talk about it when you're on the show. <laughs> what do you think? What What's his go-to meal? Okay, well, maybe it's just because you, like we had just mentioned lentils, but like a nice, nice fall stew you know, with some like bay leaves on top, not bay leaves, Ooh. bay leaves, <laughs> <laughs> bay leaves. <laughs> a little creaminess, <laughs> um, you know, some like maybe some roasted butternut squash. Mm, yeah. yeah, just really aromatic, vegetarian, mm-hmm. fall stew, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stew boy, little stew boy, <laughs> stew boy. <laughs> <sighs> Wow, that was that was good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for our Johnny Flynn episode. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, you can find Mystics and Molder on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and our website, mysticsandmolder.com. Many thanks to Motion for the wonderful music. Motion, a Chicago-based artist has a new album out and I've listened to it about 10 times already. (laughs) And of course it's fantastic. It's perfect like study music or anything, going to the store, just like relaxing outside and contemplating life. I think Johnny would like motion. I don't know who wouldn't. So I, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, Thank you for listening, Johnny. We hope to talk to you soon. (laughs) 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 Bye. (laughs) Bye.